The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger Football Beat Writer, and uh, Jason Munns, uh, our Tiger Basketball Beat Writer, but also a uh, football savant. Um, we are, uh, he's making a weird face at me now on our Zoom here, but he, he's a savant, trust me. Um, we are uh, coming to you after uh, Memphis gets a uh, 56-14 win over Stephen F. Austin. Um, and now they move into Thanksgiving, their Thanksgiving weekend game against Navy, uh, kind of the start of a three-week uh I guess Ryan Silverfield has called it a gauntlet. I'd call it more like just a – it's a three-week uh, litmus test almost to, to see where this – how good this team is. Can they make the AAC championship game? Um, can they – you know, can they go eight and two or is it more like a six and four or five and five season? You know, they're, they've, they've clinched at least a 500 record. But how good is this team? I think these next three weeks are going to uh, – give us an indication of, of all that. Um, so Evan, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, let's, let's start with the Stephen F. Austin game before we uh, start dissecting this Navy matchup that by the way, was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago, but um, got rescheduled here. Um, what were your, what were your biggest takeaways from the Stephen F. Austin game? What was most impressive to you? And then maybe what, what did you leave a little concerned about? All right. So um, I think we all can agree Calvin Austin is that dude. I think that was maybe the one takeaway is Calvin Austin is pretty much the Memphis offense at this point, and he showed a little more wrinkles. He had his first uh, punt return touchdown. He threw that two-point conversion to Sean Dykes. Um, really, I think you just really saw him show more why he's having a really special season as far as just for him breaking out and being that deep threat that really we've kind of been looking for with this Memphis team. Um, but he became the that, first player in program history to have five straight 100 yard receiving games. But. Yeah. I, yeah. Give him credit. He's had a remarkable year. He's really stepped up. Um, he had almost 300 all purpose yards, which I was kind of hoping he'd stay in to get that. So I could say that I've seen three guys in Memphis do that in, um, two years, but, uh, but yeah, great game for Calvin Austin. I thought the defense did what they were supposed to do against an FCS team. They were dominant. I think really, the last few, the last half of USF and this game, they've really kind of started to make some more plays. I liked, obviously, Ronnie Owens getting an interception. I think he's been maybe the one of the breakout guys on the defense this year. But my biggest concern, though, was that second quarter where they just kind of, you know, left money on the table. Like you're driving the ball, you get inside the Stephen of Austin ten twice, <clears throat> and you get field goals. Um, Brady White had that pick six in the second quarter. Um, I'm still kind of wondering why this team, whether it's starting fast or, or starting slow or playing better in the second quarter, why or second half, why that second quarter seems to be the, the, the quarter they really struggle in. And I don't know if it's just being able to make good adjustments at halftime, but I think watching that first half, I was concerned for these next three games because if you're struggling against Stephen F. Austin to find your rhythm and struggling against USF to find your rhythm, 
What's going to happen against, you know, a Navy team that typically is good at home? What's going to happen against a Tulane team that we saw beat Army at home? Um, I, I, that really kind of concerned me, just kind of how this team has still not been able to have that start to finish great game, so to speak. So that was probably my biggest takeaway and concern from this one. Well, I think you can look at it two ways. One way is this was a one, this Stephen F. Austin game was a one score game until late in the third quarter, which is not good, obviously. I think you can look at it another way, though, in that the reason it was a one score game is because Brady throws a horrible pick six and ultimately they couldn't punch it in in the red zone. It wasn't like they weren't moving the ball. They're just they just couldn't score touchdowns. And, you know, they went for they went for it on fourth down again, where I think they should have kicked a field goal. But essentially, if you score two touchdowns in the second quarter on those drives that go into the red zone, you know, you're talking it's a it's a 34 to 13 game at halftime and you're looking at things a lot differently. Um, so the flip side. Sorry, Mark. The flip side of that argument, just playing devil's advocate here is against Stephen F. Austin at home. Probably should have scored those. Probably yeah. should have gone ahead and punched those in. So mm-hmm. uh, but but, you know, it, it's I, not that anybody asked me, but I I, I don't think that, uh, you know, it. it this, the the, the final quarter. score was a little deceiving. Like they didn't there, just, yeah. they wore down Stephen F. Austin, which is good. Like that's what you're supposed to do against an FCS right. team. But like they got 300 yards rushing, but like 150 of them came in the fourth quarter when, I don't know if it's exactly 150, but a lot of those big runs they broke were just, you know, they wore down an FCS team. Um, and ultimately I think we can all agree you know, they probably played like two and a half good quarters in this game. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to cut it in these last three. You know, like you're not going to be able to get away. Same with like USF. They played like one good half. Like against Navy, against Tulane, against Houston. I don't know if that's going to be good enough to win those games. Um, so I did think, though, the defense was really interesting how dominant they were um, because – you know, Ryan Silverfield said after the game and, and reiterated it this week how they they're, they're more, it's they seem more comfortable in the scheme. I don't know, you know, what to you know how much stock you put in that exactly, but whatever it is, they look better. Um, they look more comfortable, um, and now they're going to be going up against a Navy team that you know doesn't really throw the ball that much. So I don't know how much they can take advantage of the fact that. Memphis's secondary hasn't been good this year. They also got TJ Carter back this week. And, you know, Silverfield said when they went back and watched the film, he looked pretty good against Stephen F. Austin. And it seems to work out perfect for him in that he comes back, gets a game where he can get a game under his belt, and then he can play a much bigger role in these last three uh, games. But I I thought the defense's performance was really encouraging. I mean, the defensive line is playing well. Um, the linebackers are playing pretty well, and the secondary is play is at least at least they're not they don't look terrible anymore. Um, and maybe that was a one game thing. Um, and once they go back into conference play here, it, that'll change. But for now, I thought it was a really encouraging performance by the defense. Yeah, I mean the defense. Yeah. I thought you know. I, I was impressed with the defense. Um, I thought this was a game they kind of needed to kind of keep going. And even again, like I said, with USF, you saw them kind of, you know, have that second half finish. So 
I think that's encouraging for Navy a little bit just because, again, with the D-line and linebackers being so important in stopping that triple option, um, this was kind of a, a good sign that, okay, they're ready for the challenge that comes with dealing with that triple option. And, um, Mark, you mentioned it. I think this Navy game is going to be interesting because Navy's opened its quarterback battle up. So we're going to kind of see kind of how this uh, – how this offense looks, which isn't the same as it's looked the last couple of years under Malcolm Perry. Speaking of that, how much do we really know? I mean, like, especially considering that, how much do we really know about Navy? This team hasn't played. By the time they take the field Saturday, they will have not played in four weeks. Um, and they will have not won. Uh, Navy hasn't won a game since October 17th. So, uh, I mean, that's that to me is the scary thing about it's like, yeah, we feel like every year we know everybody knows what Navy does. Um, it's just a matter of can you stop it? But opening up the quarterback battle, no game in a month. Um, well, how much do you say? I mean, we saw when Memphis didn't play for 28 days, that first game was not especially uh, great. Um, against SMU. So I do wonder, like, I do wonder if Navy's going to look rusty in this one. And I'll I'll just say this. I think this, I'm not saying this is an easy game. I think it's the easiest of the last three. I think Navy is the, is, I know Navy has the same conference record as Memphis, but this is not even, this is not the same Navy team as a year ago and on offense or defense. If you look at on offense a year ago, obviously they had Malcolm Perry, uh, at quarterback, they had a dynamic quarterback, uh, an experienced quarterback. But last year, this Navy team averaged 6.06 yards per attempt. This year, they're averaging 3.82 yards per attempt. Um, last year, other teams averaged, you know, opponents averaged 3.17 yards per carry against Navy. This year, they're averaging 5.86 yards per carry. Um, so offensively and defensively, this this Navy team is not close to the one Memphis played last year. Now, to your, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but to your point, I just want to add to your point. Their three wins this year are over East Carolina, Temple, and Tulane, and they their average margin of victory in those three wins is three points. So they're not they are not the same team they were. Yeah, um, and so I think it's imperative for Memphis. To, I mean, it's, it's got to me, it's going to come down to the lines in this one. You know, can Memphis, can Memphis's O line, can they run the ball like they did in the latter half of that Stephen F. Austin game? Um, because the first half, they were not able to establish the run yet again. Um, and Rodriguez Clark got hurt. It sounds like he's day to day for this one. We don't know if he'll be available or not. So it could be something where guys like Kylan Watkins, Mark. Quavius Weaver and Asa Martin are taking on bigger roles. And then the other side of it is, you know, like, like anytime you face Navy, it's about, you know, stopping this triple option and, you know, making sure this Navy team is not just holding onto the ball, driving down the field with these long methodical drives, because, you know, we've seen in the past when Memphis has gone to Annapolis you know, that's been a that's been a bad formula for the Tigers when, you know, when they're only getting 50 plays or whatever it is uh, for their offense because Navy's got the ball so long. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it's going to be a tough game. I'm, I just think it's 
I, I think when you – I know Navy beat Tulane, but Tulane looks like they're playing better now than they were early in the season. It just feels like to me, um, you know, if there's a mo- moment when Memphis is going to get a win in Annapolis for the first time, this feels like it could be it um, because this is not a great Navy team that they're going up against. And the only concern I have is, remember the game two years ago, that Navy team ended up being a pretty bad one. Yeah. And Memphis still kind of put the ball on the ground that game. So I think. Let's hope it's not raining. Remember that game? Remember that game? It like was fine. And then literally almost as soon as we were about to get to kickoff, it just started raining. And and it was like Brady White's maybe, you know, I bet you if he looked, you know, if you asked him, uh, it's probably one of his worst games as a Memphis quarterback during his time here it was his first year as a starter. I want to say he had gotten hurt that week in practice yeah. as well. Yeah. He had hurt his ankle. Um, and, and then it was also probably, honestly, that game two years ago was probably one of Mike Norvell's worst called games too. Remember they, they, Daryl Henderson was eating Navy alive. And then yeah. for whatever reason, they went away from him uh, in the second half more than they should have. Um, and this was, you know, this was right as Daryl was emerging as a superstar that year. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, like I said, I think this, this three game stretch is really interesting because they still have an outside shot at, you know, making it to the AAC championship game. They got to win out to do it. Um, and so, and, and, you know, I think since we last came on the podcast, they, the schedule's different in case you haven't heard it's, they got Navy, you know, they're supposed to play at Tulane this weekend, but they're playing at Navy instead, then December 5th, a week from Saturday, they'll play at Tulane. And then December 12th, the Memphis wraps things up for the regular season at home against Houston. So um, it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, they're five and two, but it feels like we're still learning about what this team is, um, which is kind of the interesting thing. Like, we're, I, I don't know, maybe they've shown us what they are. Um, but if they win these last three, like they're, they, they're very capable of winning three in a row. And even if they don't make the AAC championship game, say Tulsa, you know, ends up, you know, only losing once or whatever, like an eight and two season, given all the circumstances is a really good season. That's a success, really successful season in my mind. Um, I agree with you, Mark. Gone through. I agree with you hundred percent that they are capable of winning the next three games and finishing eight and two and having a shot at uh, getting back to the AAC championship game. But I think we're going to have to, things are going to have to, some things are going to have to change for them yeah. to do that. Um, like they're, they're going to have to be more consistent. They're going to have to run the ball better. They're going to have to play better defense. Um, and it's like, like all that stuff was fine against Stephen F. Austin, but as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, when I when I tried to talk up the lumberjacks, it's that's Stephen F. Austin. So let's let's mm-hmm. you know, like I need to see more consistency. Um, I need to see you know better play against a higher quality opponent to believe that they can actually get through these next three games with wins. Austin three Austin three sixteen says you need to play better these last three games. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a stone cold <laughs> assessment, Mark. Yes. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so it's uh it's an interesting week. I mean, and then you I mean you've got the option is like not that difficult in theory to stop. It's just 
it, it, you know, it's not complicated. Not I shouldn't say not difficult. It's not complicated to stop. It is difficult to stop at times, especially when a team's going well. Evan, uh, Ryan Silfer was saying that, like, Nate, you know, it sounds like Navy could, you know, basically, depending on what quarterback plays for them, they might be running a different offense. Um, like, it sounds like one quarterback, they throw the ball more. Do you know, can you give us a breakdown of these Navy quarterbacks? Yeah. So apparently, the guy who started the year, Dalen Morris, who was, I believe, started Kansas third string and then moved up to first. Um, he was starting for them, and he's more of the passing quarterback. I think he was the guy who kind of led them back when they came back to beat Tulane with his arm. He was passing the ball down the field, and then they keep the field goal to win the game. So he's more of a passer, but he's really struggled to run this uh, option. And then I think against SMU, <clears throat> when they sat Morris, they brought in the kid, Tiger Goslin, who kind of ran the option. And he's more of that, you know, traditional guy who understands the offense and runs it. But that, I think, was his first major appearance. Um Funny story, I actually covered him in high school back in California. So it'll be interesting kind of what Memphis has to deal with because, as Mike McIntyre said to us before the Navy game was postponed, you almost are preparing for Navy to kind of run the ball, but you're also preparing for them to pass it. So really, it's kind of a, a tricky way to deal with. You know, we're talking about the option, but Navy might end up passing the ball like maybe 10 times this, 10, 10 times this game. So it's going to be an interesting test for him and – Fortunately, you know, he told us this, you know, and I looked it up. He's actually been successful against Navy. I think he was, when he was at San Jose State, they beat Navy twice. When he was at Duke, they beat Navy when he was, I think, the D.C. there. Um, so he has experience facing this triple option. But I think, like you said, facing two quarterbacks who give you so many different elements with this specific option, it makes it a little bit tricky for how this defense can react. So I think, like you said, the D-line, which has been strong for Memphis, has to really kind of – take it to another gear and be ready for whatever happens. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, you look at this statistically Navy. I mean, Navy has the worst, uh, they're last place in the conference in total offense this year. Like they're averaging the fewest yards per game of anyone in the AAC. And then their rushing defense is the worst rushing defense in the AAC. They're giving up more rushing yards per game. However, they're Pat. They have the second best passing defense in the AAC. So I, I think this is, yeah, like I said earlier, I think this is going to come down to, you know, the front Memphis's front seven and that Memphis offensive line. Um, if you can run the ball in this game, you will win. I think Memphis will win the game. That's, that's really what I think. Cause I don't think Navy can score. I don't know if Navy's, if you can get over 30 points, I don't know if Navy can keep up with you with their offense this year. Now the question becomes, you know, you can't turn the ball over against them because your possessions are limited. Um, and, and like I said, I think you want to, this is a game where you need to establish the run early. Um, it can't be like this past week against Stephen F. Austin, where it takes a half to get going. Um, and so uh, there's a very clear way for Memphis to win this game. And frankly, if Memphis is an eight and two team, I think they should win this game convincingly and that's why you know like I, like not like they shouldn't blow them out like Stephen at boston but like if memphis is a good team they should win this by a couple touchdowns i don't think this is a good navy team i think there's a reason why the spread is like 10 and a half 11 like i don't i think when you watch navy they don't look that great now if memphis is more like the team that beat usf by one point the other week 
uh, a couple weeks ago, then this is going to be a close game and they could lose it, you know? And so like, that's why I said, like, I think these last three games are going to tell us what this team has become. Um, you know, just how good are they? They seem like they're fine right now. You know, they're like an okay football, football team, but you win, if you can win these last three, starting with this Navy game, um, you'll think about this season, I think differently. Um, like this can change these three games, even if you don't make the AAC championship game could can change, you know, they can really be something you can use to build on going into the off season. There is uh, one point I would like to make. I just looked it up. Um, something that should work in theory in Memphis's favor. Uh, only a 20% chance of precipitation mm-hmm. uh, Saturday in in Annapolis. So um, no fans, they don't allow, they're not allowing any fans there. So, you know, Navy's usually, even when they're bad, they're pretty tough to beat in Annapolis. Uh, but you don't have that. You're not going to have to deal with any fans uh, in Annapolis either this weekend. My yeah. only other concern, another concern I have is that Memphis is not one on the road yet. So this could be their first road win. It would be a pretty impressive uh, way to do it. Though. I didn't realize that. that yeah. One on the road. That's no, they lost, lost at SMU that first game back from COVID, the COVID outbreak. Obviously, Cincinnati gave them the work. So they have not won on the road. So this will be a good chance for them to kind of show what they can do. Because honestly, they have not looked great on the road. And I was trying to think, like, have they had really impressive marquee road wins the last few years? Like, they've beaten teams, but they've kind of struggled on the road away from the Liberty Bowl. So that, I, I am kind of worried about that a little bit. Last year, didn't they beat um, – who they beat on the road last year? Last year, they, they crushed Houston, they crushed South Florida, they lost at Temple, and then they beat won Tulsa. Louisiana Monroe and South Alabama. Beat Tulsa on the road last year, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, and that game was was tough, too. So, yeah. they, they've kind of struggled on the road. Now, granted, with this team, granted, last year's team obviously could manage that. This year's team – Yeah, I don't know if I'd say struggled, but they just have – you know, last year they didn't really have a chance to win a marquee game on the road. They didn't have any marquee games on the yeah. road. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this game a marquee one either, but I think, you know – Listen, they've never won at Navy. Like, that's the bottom line. They've never – you know, they've never won at Navy since Navy joined the conference and really ever because they, they weren't playing Navy before this really. Um, so this would be another another thing to check off the list. Uh you know, they finally beat UCF this year, and to, to win at Navy, that'd be another thing you could check off the list. Um, wanted to wrap it up with this. Um, we saw yet again uh, this week, we had another transfer, uh, Titus Jones, the offensive lineman transfer from Memphis. If I'm not mistaken, Evan, you said that's the 12th player who's either opted out, taken a leave of absence, or transferred this year. Um and I know there's we talked a little bit about this last week, sort of with the with the two recruits who decommitted um, last week. And, you know, I think there's maybe some fans that are worried. Um, I thought Ryan Silverfield uh, gave a pretty good explanation as to what's going on um, during his press conference Monday. And sort of I thought it was you know, I wasn't personally like, you know, worried like you know transfers happen but I, I was reassured by what Silverfield said it made a lot of sense Evan I, you're gonna have a story up at commercialpeel.com why don't you give people a little preview of of what Ryan said and sort of how he explained why we're seeing uh quite a bit of roster turnover not just 
and Memphis, but all across the country. Sure. So it'll be up on commercial pillars or recording this. It'll be up probably by the time you read this. But basically, Ryan was saying, you know, I I asked him, I said, you know, how are you, how are you dealing with you no know, roster management? How are you dealing with, you know, obviously you had a lot of guys transfer. Like, how do you evaluate the process? And he said, you know, obviously he wasn't going to comment on specific players, but he said, you know, he understands that players are more aware of their situation. They're more aware of their opportunities. And if a player wants to leave, he's going to support them. But what he also said was um, he thought about how more players could be leaving, not just in Memphis, but around the country because of the NCAA Division I Council possibly granting a one-time transfer exception. Now, for those who don't know, the only way you can play your next season if you transfer is either by grad transfer or if the NCAA grants you a waiver. But in October, the Division I Council said that they are going to vote in January over if all players can get a one-time exception where if you transfer, you can be immediately eligible. Um, if it passes, if they vote on it in January, it'll go into effect in 21-22 season. So Ryan basically said that that's, he thinks that's a reason why a lot more players are transferring because they think they'll be immediately eligible somewhere next year. And he said that that is actually a concern for him because he thinks that it could lead to, you know, more free agency or guys who, you know, maybe find a better situation and become eligible. It could lead to a whole lot of shift in, in college football. Um, but he also said, you know, if any player wants to leave, he stuck to that line of, you know, I'm going to support them. We understand it's not a good fit. But he also said that it puts a greater onus on them to, you know, recruit guys that actually, you know, do better with recruiting for whatever reason. And it gets tougher this year because obviously with the dead period, they can't go out and see guys. But um, like you said, Mark, I thought it was interesting he brought up next year with this one-time transfer exception being the potential reason why more guys are leaving, not just because of a better fit, but because they might be able to be immediately eligible instead of sit out a year. And see, and the thing I'd be worried about if I was Silverfield with the one-time transfer, it's not like – like most of the guys who have transferred this year, it feels like have done it for uh, traditional reasons. Like they're not playing as much as they wanted to. So they're going to transfer somewhere where they will get to play as much as they want to. Where, where if I'm the Memphis football program, where I'm worried about it is, is if I have a star player who plays a lot early and someone at the power and then that person you know, someone at the power five level tries to pluck them away from Memphis. That's where I'm worried about the one-time transfer rule. Um, now, on the flip side of that, there could be guys who play in the Sun Belt or the or the or Conference USA or some other, you know, some other uh, league whether, or even uh, FCS um, who are great, you know, really good and look like they're Memphis level players who Memphis can then go and pluck from down, you know, down at a lower level. But I would worry, like, for instance, like let's use Kenny Gainwell as a, as an example. Like what if, what if Kenny Gainwell, after having that monster year last year, what if like uh, Georgia was like, you know what, like we like Kenny Gainwell, like, you know, and, and we think Kenny Gainwell could start for us. And then you lose Kenny Gainwell to Georgia. I'm just giving that as a total hypothetical. Um, that's where I'd be worried if I was Memphis. Now, how many people is that really going to happen to? I'm not sure. Um, it seem, you know, and it does seem like this could be more positive for Memphis than negative in that one, you can pluck the guys from down below if you want. And also there's going to be more guys at, at these power five 
five schools who aren't getting the playing time they want at the power five level, who then come to a school like Memphis. Um, so what's that? Uh, a la, a la Brady yes. White. Very similar. Like, yeah. So um, I think it'll end up being a net positive for Memphis, but I do worry about some of these, you know, if you do stumble upon a hidden gem who becomes a star quickly, I do worry about that from Memphis's perspective, but I think it'll be a net positive. And I, and I think, I think just the combination of this one-time transfer rule plus the pandemic, I do think you're going to see quite a bit of roster movement this off season. Um, but it not, I don't think you necessarily need to panic over it. No, I don't think so. And I think, like you said, with, with COVID, I think you're going to see maybe some guys come back, you know, once they see some of the safety protocols, um, you might see some guys who end up do leaving for whatever reason. But I think ultimately if I was a Memphis fan as of now, I wouldn't worry. I'd say, let's just see what happens in the winter with signing class, see who decides to come back. Um, but overall, like, you know, we've, we've said this before, like if, 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 if you're worried about players from Memphis going to other schools from this one time transfer thing, it could also benefit you because, you know, you can find somebody else coming down to you. So yeah, I wouldn't worry. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but for the time being, uh, got three important games coming up, starting Saturday at Navy. Uh, we will have tons of coverage for you at commercialappeal.com and uh, it, during the days leading up to it. And uh, obviously on Saturday, um, no days off here at the Commercial Appeal, even on Thanksgiving week. Um, well, we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and we will join you next week uh, when Nate Memphis will be preparing for Tulane and uh, hopefully coming off a, a big win over Navy. Um, Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much. And uh, eat lots of turkey. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.